0: How about this fucking team right here? Dustin Brown, short-handed for L.A. Score! Here is Golagoski. He gets leveled at the blue line by Dowdy. 2-4,
1: 2 for I kind
0: of like it. Richard throws it in front. corner. score! Well done, We're boy. Good. Here's some swagger. Push on the shove. We're going to get it done. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Thanks Bud podcast. This is episode 12, and I am Chanel Berlin. And I'm Diane Fan. And uh, this week was mostly good, but it ended on a super bummer note. The Kings played the Chicago Blackhawks tonight. We actually waited a day to record this podcast so that we could see that game. You know, we didn't actually go in expecting anything crazy amazing. We thought they would probably lose, but it was worse than we thought, actually, in many ways. So maybe we should have recorded this at our regular time. But whatever, it's Sunday night, we're recording now, this is going up Monday morning. Ugh, Diane, how did you feel about that game?
1: I felt like it was garbage and I didn't watch most of it, is how I felt, because after the first period I was like, oh, is this what the Senators felt like yesterday? Because um, that was terrible. And I I paused just then because I was like, was it yesterday? And then I remembered that yeah, they played it at 11 o'clock
0: in the morning. Anyway. Right. right, because it was yeah. so early. But I feel like, no, the uh, Senators didn't feel like that because the Senators probably felt like they had a chance to come back. I don't think any Kings fan really felt like they had, a, like the team had a definite chance of coming back because sometimes they do that. Like the New York Islanders game, they came back in the third period with three goals and one in regulation. That was amazing. But it's not like they do that super regularly. So. I definitely felt like, oh, they're down three after the first period, that's probably it. Yeah,
1: once they got down three, and not only being down three, because if it was down three and they were playing a decent game, then it's fine, you know, maybe they were tired, maybe they weren't ready. The Kings are, the, or not the Kings, the Blackhawks had a later game yesterday, but they're now on home ice, so, you know, whatever. But uh, since the Kings were terrible, uh, possession-wise, I wanted to throw myself out the window, Um so it was just like after that, I didn't really, I didn't really have a hope. I was just hoping for not a shutout. And thank you of all
0: people, Alec Martinez, for satisfying that. Him scoring that one goal to make it not a shutout improved my mood so much because it was going to be super depressing if they uh, had this great run and the King's third string goaltender did this great job and then, you know, had the two shutouts and then they give, you know, Auntie Ranta his first shutout and like the Blackhawks I think it would would have been their first shutout of the season because people score on the Blackhawks even though like they're a great offensive team but unlike the Kings who came into this game number one defensively the Blackhawks are average defensively they're okay um so they get scored on I don't think they've had a shutout this season it would have been super depressing for the Kings not to be able to generate any offense when they have finally started to figure out how to put goals together again not the case tonight but um so, you know, thanks Alec Martinez for making it not the most depressing thing to happen.
1: It's to actually really surprising. Like, once it happened, I was super surprised as to how pleased I was that uh, the Kings weren't shut out, because it would have been um, only their second shutout of the season, and I didn't really want any more.
0: So, I'm glad that that happened, but um, I didn't think that I would feel so happy about it. I was pretty pleased. Uh, and they also, technically, even though they played horribly for pretty much the entire game, Um, With the exception of Scrivens, who got better as the game went on and like the defense cleaned it up a little bit, but not enough. They still managed not to have it be a completely shameful route. So that's good. Thanks for that. You know, trying to find some positives. Also, a positive specific to me personally is that Ben Scriven's having a bad period and letting in three goals made me think, oh god, Jonathan Quick might still have a job. <laughs> and I felt really great personally.
1: In case anyone who's ever listened to this or has ever seen a tweet or has ever read the blog doesn't know already, Chanel really cares about what happens to Jonathan Quick. So well,
0: I Yeah. I just want him to have a wonderful career all the time and this year has been awful. And then I'm stoked that the uh, backup goaltenders, Ben Scribbins and the Martin Jones, came in and have been killing it for the most part. But also, there are only so many jokes I could take about Jonathan Quick going to the AHL or being traded before my heart gets broken. So tonight, I definitely had a really pathetic and ridiculous moment. Where I was like, maybe it's going to be Okay. <laughs> So, uh, positives for me, personally, in this game. Uh,
1: for this game, my one positive is the laughter. Uh, because Alec Martinez was the one who scored the lone goal, the only Kings players that, I mean, not including people <clears throat> who were zeros, the only p- people who ended up on the plus side um, of the plus-minus uh, game during this particular round, um, Matt Green. Yeah. Uh, with a point in this uh, this game, which is hilarious because Trevor Lewis was also playing and still has zero points. But um, poor Trevor <laughs> poor, Lewis. Honestly, okay. I can't even talk about it because I'm so upset about the fact that he still hasn't scored a goal. It is, it is deeply, <laughs> deeply upsetting to me because um, I don't know, I have so many pictures that I want to use for when he scores that goal.
0: we Lo- secretly been preparing a Trevor Lewis celebration, and it's going to be really disappointing if we never get to use it.
1: I was tentative about uploading one to our website just in case he scored when he first came back, because I was like, is this going to jinx it? And then I was like, like it really <laughs> fucking matters. Right. Um, but anyway, so the people who ended up on the plus side of the plus-minus business, Matt Green, uh, Daniel Carcelo, Trevor Lewis, Alec Martinez, and Jordan Nolan. So yeah. they're they're your A, A-line right now,
0: friends. It was horrible. It was bad. It's, ugh, that game was just, I mean, you expect them to come in tired, and actually both teams at the start of the game looked, you know, they had trouble sort of getting anything going. But as soon as that shorthanded goal went in, which was just, what the fuck were you doing, Jake Muzzin? It was kind of, you know chicago's game from there they picked it up they suddenly had all kinds of energy and as i was saying in the preview that i posted the team that found the energy and got that momentum going was going to win that game and la lost it and never could figure out how to get it back um there was a stat part way through the game that i think helene elliott sent out that was like you know odd thing no defenseman has registered a shot on goal. The only defenseman by the end of that game who had a shot on goal was, in fact, the one who scored, Alec Martinez. And it was because they spent the whole game chasing the Chicago Blackhawks, trying to play defense, and mostly failing at it. It was an embarrassing game. Just terrible. It was awful. It was
1: infuriating. It was absolutely infuriating. And we had gone to a couple of games um, at the Staples Center at the beginning of the season, and we were really frustrated then just because zero passes connected. I, like it looked like they were rusty and start a season. It was annoying, but you know we excused it. And now that they've had this run, they're doing really well and to see this kind of like falling apart was terrible. And I had tweeted it out before, but all I kept noticing was <laughs> Bob Miller and Jim Fox just continuing to be vaguely exasperated. Um, and I feel like Jim Fox might have gotten drunker. <laughs> um, as the the broadcast went on, but it was just like, oh, the cu- the Kings can't clear the zone. No one ever at all, and then they just couldn't keep it in uh, the offensive zone when they had it for whatever like ten seconds that they had any possession whatsoever
0: or sustained any pressure. Yeah, it was just a rough time, I think, for everybody for. For the fans, for the Kings, obviously, for the broadcasters, because it's like, what do we tell you about this? You see that they're playing terribly. We know they're playing terribly. They know they're playing terribly. It's just a sad time all around, but whatever, it happens. They went uh, 3-1-0 on their four game road trip, and actually here is something that I found to be fucking ridiculous and um, kind of a trend with the LA Kings. I will read it to you. It's from uh, John Rosen's notes from after the game. He wrote, The road trip marked the 86th four-game trip in club history. It is the 11th time the team has finished with a 3-1-0 record or better on a four-game trip and the third time this season. The 1980-81 season and the 2000-2001 season were the only other seasons in which the Kings were at least 3-1-0 on multiple four-game road trips. The team's only four just four straight wins road trip took place at Detroit, Columbus, Dallas and Nashville in March, 2011. And here is why I think that is so ridiculous is because you can have a game like this and talk about how awful the Kings are sometimes. And then it kind of doesn't matter, because as terrible as this iteration of the Kings team is, they're still way better than pretty much every other Kings team that has existed for this franchise.
1: How upsetting is that? (laughs) Once once I calmed down about the fact that this game was garbage, I was still just like, wait, the Kings are still good. This is just a drop in the bucket. I mean, of course, of course, it would have been nice to win the game. Of course, it would have been nice to get a point, get anything, do anything, whatever. But, I mean, you gotta
0: lose sometimes. And so, here it was. Oh, man. It would have been nice to go uh, four straight wins, though. I think it... I mean, a lot of people are like, whatever, at least they dropped it to a good team this time instead of to the Calgary Flames, which, true, but at the same time, it's kind of frustrating to watch this, this Kings team, especially knowing that they are so good and find ways to pull it out, like in that Toronto game where they came out flat and let the Maple Leafs just like, just wipe them all over the ice all night and still pull out a win. Like, knowing they can do that, and then to have the Chicago Blackhawks in particular, which seem to be the team that they have trouble beating mentally, I feel like at this point, it just, I want them to figure out how to do it. Just do it, please, and decisively. <laughs> That would be nice.
1: After this game, I just watched the uh, game-tying goal um, from the Western Conference Finals last year, and uh, it made me happier. I watched it, like, I okay, so, <laughs> true fact, I watch it kind of a lot, um, just because it's funny to me. For the, I mean, obviously it's delightful, yay, they scored, whatever, but it's also really funny if you watch it and then just watch the stands, um, oh, because yeah. you just watch everyone be incredibly sad. So,
0: yeah, they were they were so ready to cheer. Oh, uh, and then they, it was like, just sit down, sit your ass back in your seat because it's not over yet. So many I heads, so many ha- like faces and hands. It was great. It was beautiful. Yeah. And, um, that's still my favorite moment of that game and of that series. And we were together, like, we watched that game with a couple friends of ours. And when that happened, all of us just like stood up screaming. It was, <laughs> it was beautiful. So, um, yeah, but of course, no, uh, no magic like that tonight, but it was good to, you know, look at that stuff, and I ended up re-watching 24-7 with some friends after the game tonight, and just seeing the little bit of what there was of the Kings and that. I, I love this team. I it, It's frustrating when they play like this, but they're a good team, I love this team, and it's still, you know, I'm excited to watch them all the time. So, I hope they figure out how to beat the Blackhawks. They have another crack at it at the end of this fall.
1: Imagine if we were covering the Buffalo Sabres. Ugh. I
0: don't even want to.
1: (laughs) What what if we were from Buffalo and we were like, let's, I don't know if we would ever have been like, yeah, let's do a podcast about the Buffalo Sabres. That sounds like a great time.
0: Are there podcasts about the Buffalo Sabres? Now I'm wondering. There has
1: to be. What do they talk
0: about? How sad they are all the
1: time? I hope that they're just like unerringly like peppy and
0: hopeful. (laughs) This is going to be the one. Yeah. I, I bet it is like a lot easier. Like obviously we weren't doing a blogger podcast when the Kings were a terrible team, but I bet it... Is a lot easier to do a podcast about a team that you never, like, you literally never expect anything from. That actually sounds
1: like it would be a lot of fun.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Just like, let's see what happens this time. Oh, we had an own goal. Oh, we got shut out. Oh, we had one shot um, in two periods or, you know, whatever. Um, that actually yeah. sounds. You
0: we're never happy about those things <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> but that would actually be kind of funny. <laughs> Interesting. Although I did think with that shorthanded goal tonight, it was probably in a lot of ways, the first legitimate shorthanded goal against the Kings is technically their third. And on a previous podcast, I do want to correct, I did say that the one in the Flames game might have been the first shorthanded goal, but I had forgotten that Jonathan Quick's old goal was not technically a shorthanded goal. So those were the two previous shorthanded goals that the Kings had were um, Jonathan Quick scoring on himself, and then Ben Scrivens falling down on the ice, allowing a Calgary Calgary Flames player to uh, get the puck and put it in net, which was like, Which probably wouldn't have happened if Scrivens hadn't fallen all over the place. So tonight was the first legitimate shorthanded goal, which is frustrating because it's like, you know, just a reminder that nobody beats the Kings like the Kings. That's true. So uh, we've already talked about stats a little bit, but just a quick update. So we have it all in one place here. The Kings are 22, 8, and 4 on the season so far. Andre Kopitar is still the points leader. He's got 29, 11 goals, 18 assists. And actually, he's tied for goals leader with Justin Williams because they both have 11. So not bad. I mean, obviously, that record is pretty great, actually. They are second in the Pacific Division. Um, they're, They're doing totally fine at this point in the season. And just to continue with, you know, evidence that the Kings, no matter how bad they are, sometimes they're still great, is that apparently this is the most points a Kings team has accumulated this early in the season ever. So just some more of that, because that's the trend this particular season is even when they suck, they're the best that Los Angeles has ever seen in a regular season anyway, Uh, or almost the best because they could have had a point streaks record too, but they blew that against the Calgary Flames. Let's never forget. Let's also never forget that if they hadn't broken, like if they hadn't failed to win that game, the point streak would have ended tonight and thus would have been insane for the Kings, but... You can't have all the nice things, just some of them, occasionally. We're not
1: mad about it or anything. (laughs) No, I'm not bitter at all. Why is it the Flames? I fucking hate the Flames.
0: (laughs) The Flames of all the teams. It'll be interesting from here, actually, because their schedule gets... uh, It doesn't get easier at all. It doesn't really get harder. Like, I think the Chicago Blackhawks are the toughest team that they will face this season. Obviously, they're the number one team in the league, and the Kings have some baggage now. Uh, with the blackhawks but they're facing a lot of challenging teams i guess i mean the oilers shouldn't be challenging but they managed to be challenging for the kings last time so who knows um and then they've got the sharks they got colorado again who've started to slip but whatever don't count anybody out it'll be interesting to see if they can put together some more wins maybe get another little streak going
1: their possession numbers plummeted though for this last game it's actually also really funny to see uh, Fenwick 4 be at
0: 0%. Oh my god.
1: Yeah. Because they- or 0% for 5-on-5 five five close because they were just
0: never fucking close. Right. Not at all.
1: Um, <laughs> which makes me laugh, but uh, in terms of the last 10 games, um course, 4 and Fenwick 4, whichever method people prefer to use, um, were both terrible. Um, down by approximately 10% from their last uh, 9 other outings, so- good times i mean it was readily apparent in watching them play
0: but numbers wise backs it up strangely though one thing that i found really interesting is that they still by the end of it had managed to win most of the face-offs um not by a crazy crazy margin but they still won more they won like 31 of 55 they didn't do much with them but (laughs) they won them so some positives also it the Kings are still overall trending upwards in shooting percentage, which is good. Obviously, it doesn't matter anymore for this game, but going forward, unless they let this get into their heads and hit another patch where they can't score goals, it could still just be, you know, positive from here out. Um, I think they have to regroup a little bit, and if they don't, I'm hoping this next week won't be terrible for the Kings, but regardless of what happens, you know, around Christmas, they have some days off, they can regroup. um, Hopefully come out and get the possession numbers back where they need to be. They're not bad, but they're slipping a little. And then things could be great through January, which would be awesome. Quick injury update, since we've already mentioned that Matt Green activated, finally played again today, or a point in his first game back, Trevor Lewis still looking for any points on the season at all. Willie Mitchell was out. It was weird. Willie Mitchell apparently got hurt in the Ottawa game. And was. they said it was an upper body injury. But then before the Chicago game, they were like, oh, he's ill and he's staying in the hotel. So I don't know if Willie Mitchell has a concussion or if he has the flu.
1: Or like food poisoning. Like he went out to <laughs> yeah. some fancy schmancy restaurant and
0: then got promptly sick. I have no idea. Right. Yeah. What What happened? Did he get sick with the flu or food poisoning in the middle of the Ottawa game? Like, did he have a bad breakfast? I don't know. I just thought it was weird that it changed so drastically. I was like, oh, he's probably going to be out. But because of his upper body injury, not because he's sick or I don't know. So he's out with something. Who knows, um, and who knows how long it'll last. Uh, Colin Fraser is on IR with concussion symptoms. I was really enjoying all of the people who noted the timing of Colin Fraser being injured right when Trevor, Lu- Trevor Lewis needed to come off of IR.
1: Oh, that was hilarious to me because it worked out so well with everyone else uh, as people were getting juggled um, for like the injuries and with Quick and with Fratten and with you know everyone. Has worked out surprisingly well. So the fact that this happened to fit together ever so nicely
0: was great. Speaking of Jonathan Quick, he is he skated two days in a row, Thursday and Friday. Is on track still, as far as we know, f- to come back around Christmas or around the end of the month. I was trying to think of what game would be the best game to put him in for. I, there's not like a great warm up game. I mean, maybe Dallas, but. With the the with the way that uh,
1: Sagan and Natchuskin and Ben are playing right now, maybe not. Right, <laughs> Yeah, he might. I mean, to... also last season the Kings had uh, extreme problems beating the Stars, and while that's not necessarily the case this year, you know I don't want to tempt the hockey
0: gods about it. <laughs> we don't want the uh, the Kings and Jonathan Quick on his first game back to give Tyler Sagan his hat trick of hat tricks this season. I'm still waiting for it. He's so close. <laughs> Before before the halfway mark, he got pretty close the other day. He had two goals. He could have he could have made it happen then. There
1: are three so. people that were waiting for their hat tricks. Him, Jamie Ben, and Blake Wheeler were all like, "I need a third goal, and I'll have a hat trick." And I expected <laughs> for someone to get it, but no, yeah. no
0: one. So yeah, so that I was like maybe that game I don't know maybe the Blues or the Canucks because even though they're they've been good regular season teams like Jonathan Quick has plenty of experience with beating those teams or he could just you know be thrown right into the fire like Scribbins was after having five games out just put him in on the Chicago game at the end of the month and see what happens right. I don't know
1: who knows what'll happen but we will be rooting for Quick um,
0: heartily regardless you more than I. <laughs> <laughs> me more than most people. I feel like uh, the people who want Jonathan Quick to come back to this team and do really well right now, out of the entirety of King's <laughs> fandom, are like me and Drew Daddy. <laughs> Just us. That's probably Parkers. true. <laughs> so uh, we'll be uh, hoping for Quickie to come back and, you know, shine again. Please. For some, like, Lennon Vey is still up with the team, but he hasn't played in a while. So... I don't know. And eventually when Quick comes off uh, LTIR, they're going to have to make some moves again. But for the time being, he's still up with the team, maybe eventually he'll get to play. Maybe now that this uh, Chicago game was a disaster, they'll shake things up a little bit more and he'll get to play. Who knows? I feel like but is still around. he's
1: just, this is going to sound super creepy, hanging around, because I'm going to phrase it super creepily, hanging around is like a, th- a nubile threat. You know, like, hey, guys who aren't scoring or playing well at all? Here's this young hot thing that will would love to like get more time in the NHL. I'll put him in if you don't do better. Right, yeah. Um yeah. Tanner Pearson and his blinding smile has already has already been booted back to uh,
0: Manchester, so So it's just Vay. And of course Toffoli is, is here to stay. Toffoli will stay forever. <laughs> Yeah. Never leave us to His Tifoli. line, that line of Clifford, Mike Richards, and Tyler Toffoli, I'm just thinking about it right now, they had a few really, really good games, and then their last two games have been terrible. Super not good. <laughs> in the Ottawa game, it was in particular Mike Richards was a hot mess, but in the Chicago game, that whole line was just kind of all over the place, and Kyle Clifford was the person who drew the early penalty for the, or I'm sorry, took the early penalty on the Kings team, and they were just sloppy from there. So I I love watching Mike Richards and Tyler Toffoli play together, actually. And I think at times like Kyle Clifford has been a great energy guy to have on the left wing for them. But I don't know what they're going through right now, but I hope they get it together. I agree
1: heartily with all of those things, because I love um, one of my coping mechanisms, I suppose, for this game tonight was to watch um, NHL 36 starring Mike Richards. And it made me extremely happy. I very much enjoy watching him play. If only he would play well, and yeah. he is currently not playing well, um, and it's frustrating because not because not even not even with
0: like his like gritty play, he's just been like falling all over the place. That's weird. Yeah, he started the season kind of cold, found a groove, and now he's kind of out of sorts the last few games, or even games where he he wasn't completely terrible. Just would have these moments where it was like, "What are you doing? What is that pass? Who is it going to? You don't know the other team, so figure your life out." mike richards i really like watching you play when you're good so get back to doing that he's a he's an interesting guy to watch because when he is on he's super on he's super smart you know on the ice and then when he's not in it or it's not clicking it's just a confusing disaster so i'm tired of the disaster can we get back to the being smart that's good I think it's important for all of the top guys on the Kings team to perform well, not just because it's useful for the team and they score goals and have a better chance of winning, but because there were rumors earlier this week that Evander Kane might be available for Winnipeg Jets. I think the rumor specifically mentioned him talking to New York. I don't know if that has any chance of happening, but a lot of people in the Kings fandom and Kings bloggers and the, even a couple of reporters were like, score it like young left wing who produces Evander Kane. should come to Los Angeles. The only problem, Evander Kane has a cap hit of $5.25 million. So where are you going to find that money? And it was interesting to watch people put combinations together or like figure out which players to trade. Obviously, there were a lot of jokes about trading Jonathan Quick that made me sad. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But uh, like another thing was like, Mike Richards is a hot mess right now. Trade him.
1: How dare dare you whoever <laughs> that person is has he not been through enough right. stripped of his captaincy and stripped from his bromance with jeff carter don't do it again can
0: you imagine please. the protest jeff carter would stage if somebody tried to trade mike, trade mike richards it would be he, so he epic. has a
1: new he has a new beach house on this coast in which to lock himself in and sulk so um until i guess it would still be dustin brown Or I guess in this case, it'd be Dustin Brown to like drag him out and be like, get it together.
0: We have to play. Uh, Yeah, so that was a suggestion. Another suggestion, which I thought was, or there were also a couple of people actually speaking of Dustin Brown who were like, just trade Dustin Brown. He just, he's got a new contract and he's struggling to trade him. And another slightly more reasonable suggestion, or something that I thought was sort of interesting to consider, is that a couple people, I think the first one I saw suggested was Pumpernickel who said that they should trade Stoll and Regeer and a draft pick, high rounder, and then bring Evander Kane to Los Angeles. And I was like, "Mm, I do like Jared Stoll. He's great on face-offs, but he is making $3 million to be a third-liner who produces sometimes right now. So that might not be the worst trade.
1: I'm cool with uh, Jared Stoll leaving, but I am... (laughs) I am now weirdly fond of Robin Regeer, and it's really? terrible. Like I, d- I don't want to talk about it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> of those two people, you would be sadder about Robin Regeer leaving. I know it's really upsetting. This is a revelation. I don't, I don't know.
1: I don't know what's happening. Maybe I'm just going through some sort of like craze to phase, and like a week from now, I'll be like, I don't know what I was thinking, but. <laughs> As of right now, I'm weirdly fond of Robin yeah. Riggir.
0: Oh, so oh.
1: this is my this is my shame confession. <laughs> that you super heard it here,
0: Robin Riggir in his uh, tunnel of death. I do, I do enjoy it. <laughs> oh my, oh my! Jared Stoll That's- outranked by Robin Riggir. Yep, it's time to trade him. There's no coming back from that. How do you come back from being less liked than Robin Riggir? <laughs>
1: I'm saying, I, I mean, trade Robin Regeer, that's fine. I would just be a little bummed about it. I feel like Jared still would be fine. Like, who, whatever. He would whatever. survive. <laughs> he would be fine wherever he goes.
0: Jared Stoll would have a great career. I'm not, career
1: in I'm not worried about him.
0: Who knows what could happen to Robin Regeer?
1: I worry for Robin Regeer.
0: <laughs> Maybe that's it. That is interesting. I was not expecting that, but I find it very amusing. <laughs> um, but I would be okay with that trade. If I was if I was going to have to give up some Kings players to bring Evander Kane here, and I would be super stoked if Evander Kane played for the Los Angeles Kings, I would be okay with giving up those two players, um, as unfortunate as that sounds.
1: Despite my shame spiral, yes, I would too be fine with getting rid of these two players and getting Evander Kane. That's fine by me. But I would still like uh, Bobby Ryan to come too.
0: Oh, true. Yeah. So that's that's your di- that's the, the kind of the dream dilemma. <laughs> anyway, I have no idea if either of these two things have any chance of happening. But Vander Kane or Bobby Ryan. Bobby Ryan's a right winger, though. I don't care.
1: <laughs> Get rid of other people.
0: I would love to see Bobby Ryan on the Kings. That would I would love that. There was a moment so in the Ottawa game where. Kobitar and Bobby Ryan had a little conversation on the ice and it was on television. And I just was like, please, just be talking about, you know, how Bobby Ryan is missed in Southern California and eventually he should come back. But we'll play for the yes. right team. I agree. What a Every dream. Every time. What a dream. Can you imagine? Bobby Ryan, who didn't even make it on ESPN's like list of the Yeah, his that best was terrible. Wins. I remember at the beginning of the year, like trying. This is the only reason I know it because I don't
1: get my news from ESPN. Was trying to draft uh, for the for fantasy hockey. I was like, "Where's Bobby Ryan on this list?" Nowhere.
0: Nowhere. Bobby Ryan left off. Not one of the best forwards. So I think that in particular makes him especially ripe to be a king, since apparently ESPN thinks he's done. (laughs) His career is over. He's worthless now. So come to. Uh, Los Angeles, please, Bobby Ryan. It's your time. But speaking of Kobatar, actually, going back to him, because he, there's been some interesting talk, with the exception of this game, again, obviously, because this game is just a blemish on everybody's record right now, on the Kings, but he's been playing really well lately. And so has Drew Dowdy. actually, for the most part. He, you know, he didn't, I don't know, he had actually an okay start to the season, but he was a little inconsistent, and I feel like he's had a little bit more consistency at this point in the season. So people are talking about the fact that those two players, of all the Kings, those two players in particular, don't get any recognition. They don't ever get, you know, any real consideration for awards. So I was wondering about that. Like, do you think Andre Kopitar should be part of the heart conversation? Like, is he the Kings' most valuable player? Or even the Selkie, you know? Does Drew Doughty deserve a Norris at this point in his career? I... I was trying to think about that. I don't know. Do you have any opinions?
1: Um, I definitely think I I cherish every article that is written by someone not in the king's sphere um, about how great Kopitar is and what a great um, two way forward he is and how he should be recognized more. He should be nominated for an award like the Selkie or the Heart. And I one like during this game, everyone was like, everyone talks about Jonathan Taves, but no one talks about um, Andre Kopitar. Yeah. And you and I were talking about this the other day and I was flat out like no, I don't think that anyone in at least very soon unless something like magical happens is going to get nominated for any of these subjective awards. Um, the only thing would be if someone scored the most goals and went for the the Richard and there's no denying it. There's no subjective like, well, I don't know, you know, or having an opinion on who you think is the best. That's just like it is what it is. But um I I feel like people do acknowledge, and they're always like, you know, Drew Doughty is a great defenseman, Koptar is a great forward, blah, 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 whatever, but come awards time, it's never really, like, nothing's really done with it. Right. There are a few people who are, you know, advocates of these people, like, I always hear people mention, like, oh, I definitely voted for Koptar, but I don't think that it's going to happen anytime soon, and at this point, I don't know if it... I mean, I don't know if it really matters. I guess it matters for them salary wise, but in the grand scheme of things, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Yeah,
0: I believe. I don't think it's gonna happen anytime soon. I believe, uh, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I believe that in last year or last season's voting for like the Norris Trophy, Drew Doughty ended up at like ninth place, so he was on the radar. I don't remember where Kopitar ranked, but I think they're both. Like you said, people think about them and then when it comes to award time, they don't really get the support that obviously the Kings fans are hoping for. And that even, you know, more and more reporters seem to be like, oh, look at these guys. And I feel like the reason is because by the point in the season where it's time to vote on these things, they just don't have the point totals that other players have. There was some criticism is and I let me be super clear if I have not already been on the Internet. I am so glad that P.K. Subban won the Norris last season, but um, there was some comments about how he, it seems like he got that award for being a great defenseman who had really great point totals. He was the highest scoring defenseman. Um, And then someone that people consider like, like Chara, who they consider a great defensive defenseman was in like the top five, but... doesn't win the award because he didn't have the point totals there so i do wonder what it comes down to like when people have the the they have to make their picks they gotta you know rank people one two three four five or whatever what makes them nudge somebody above is it the offense and because andre kopertar hasn't had that crazy season where he's just scoring goals upon goals like he's always been you know for the last several years the king's points leader but he's not the person that you see all the time in highlight reels. Like, look at this crazy goal he scored, and I wonder how much that factors into people remembering him when it comes time to vote on those things.
1: I feel like since the Kings aren't necessarily like <clears throat> we're always going to yell about West Coast bias or East Coast bias. Sorry, <laughs> um, we're always going to yell about East Coast bias, and so because it, people from the West aren't, unless you're Chicago, I guess, or you're, they're not constantly talked about. So it's not constantly on people's minds. And with a lot of these uh, awards, like, everyone jokes that the Lady Bing is basically, like, who has the highest number of point totals while having the lowest number of penalty minutes. Like, that's not really what, I mean, that is sort of what the Lady Bing is about, but that shouldn't be your all-encompassing, like, rubric for it. Right, yeah. Uh, And so sometimes, like you said, defensive defensemen get left uh, on the wayside just because, they don't score a lot of goals but they play, but they do the defense part of defensemen extremely well but that's going to constantly be constantly be overlooked and in the case for for Doughty or Kopitar or something like that i think unless they do unless they are literally outrageous and it is impossible not to talk about what they're doing um, in terms of their game i don't think that it's really going to happen.
0: I think we're pretty much on the same page with this. And I feel like, obviously, of the Kings players, those two in particular ones that always stand out is, like, most likely to get those awards if, if, they've ever, if they ever have, like, great breakout seasons. Another player I was thinking of, though, who has been talked about recently because people are noticing his possession numbers and how consistent they are, Justin Williams has been a great guy to have on a team, and, you know, especially on the Kings, he's been great on that top line. I don't think anybody talks about how great Justin Williams is, except for, like, fancy stats people. Is there even an award to give Justin Williams? (laughs) Because I feel like he works really hard and has had a pretty solid career, but you never hear about that guy.
1: Unless, uh, there's not an award for, like, person who does the little things, you know, (laughs) or person who may not have the most explosive, uh, offensive numbers, but kind of helps hold the team together. There's not going to be an award for that. You can't, that's just too much. <laughs> the subtleties of that is just, it's never going to happen. So, um, no, but he has an award in
0: my heart. <laughs> um, I want to make that award for him now. Uh, Justin Williams, winner of the little things. <laughs> Thanks for covering the little things, Justin Williams. I really appreciate it
1: is it gonna be a trophy with mike richards on the top oh my god (laughs) (laughs) the little things
0: i would make it with mike richards on the top if it was for jeff carter who that's true i um like to joke with all of my friends jeff carter loves little things he has little dogs little girlfriend little best friend (laughs) (laughs) carter loves little things secret
1: he secretly collects miniatures that's cool um, that's why he bought it. That's why he <laughs> got a place with Bungbeth.
0: <laughs> oh, uh, I'm glad I just shared that on this podcast. So, Me too. Me too. So, and I, I mean, I feel like it's weird to talk about award chances at this point, especially after that game. But I mean, as we've pointed out, this Kings team is probably the best team that Los Angeles has seen. So if anybody is getting an award on the Kings, it's going to happen in this era, I feel like. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if any of them can just put together the amount of like consistent, awesome play to finally have the West Coast in that conversation when it comes time for voting I hope they do, I mean, I don't like you said, I don't really think it'll happen either, but it would be nice if it did and it, it would also be nice because then it would mean that one of those players, Andre Kopachar or Drew Doughty or anybody else, was having an amazing season and I would love to see that
1: What I would personally like is for Tyler Toffoli
0: to score like
1: 800 more goals and get the Calder.
0: Oh yeah, that's what I really want. Thanks for reminding me about that because that's the (laughs) truth.
1: Because that's that's really the dream right there. um, In terms of, we both like Tyler Toffoli, and it's one of those, hey, we can grow players in the King system. Yeah, here you go. Yeah, he's awesome, and I mean. Last year, uh, Alex Ovechkin's like work in the last, the latter part of the season kind of uh, amplified his play and got him the heart. So maybe if Tyler Zafoli at the end of the season could kind of just ramp it up, score a million goals and uh, get the Calder, that'd be cool.
0: Yeah, I would love that. That would be so great. Yeah, Tyler Zafoli, do it. He's been he's been good (laughs) overall, but I would love for him to just just take off and beat everybody we need
1: we need the numbers to reflect it and so that would be fantastic obviously this is all hypothetical and very early in the season but these are our hopes and dreams recorded to ones and zeros
0: in our in our hearts big
1: head and down i'm not sure he's okay Uh, there's
0: no question that this one's a penalty a large five minute major penalty power play for the king all right, moving on to the five-minute major headlines, which are never five minutes, but whatever. They're still called that. Um, HBO's 24-7 premiered Saturday night. Uh, I watched it. I don't know if Diane got a chance to watch it, but I watched it. We could talk about it a little bit. Sean Thornton was suspended 15 games for punching Brooks Orpic and knocking him out on the ice. So that was... We talked a little bit about that hit. It was a mess, and now Thornton's been punished. Steven Stamkos is skating again already because he's still a robot. Zach Cassian taunted Sam Gagne about his jaw protection in the Oilers Canucks game. Think to remember for that. Cassian is the one who broke Sam Gagne's jaw. The NHL is testing out some a new push to basically sell stuff to women. They're starting in Pittsburgh. It's called Penn's gear for her. And we have a problem with it. Um, and the Calgary Flames booted GM Jay Feaster and assistant general manager John Weisbrod. So change happening in Calgary. I guess let's just go back to talking about, since this is probably the most Kings-related still, obviously, 24-7. Did you actually get a chance to watch it?
1: I did not. The only thing I watched was the bits with uh, Slava Voinov and Joffrey Lubel fighting.
0: Well, that is the most important moment for Kings fans, so congratulations. Slava Voinov, I loved that they caught that on 24-7, because I had forgotten, because I think on the broadcast of the actual game, they didn't catch it when it happened. There was like a replay later, sort of showing what happened, but the fight—they didn't really fight, so it didn't last very long. So it was great to see on twenty-four-seven exactly what happened in super HD and kind of slow mo and beautiful soft focus. And then Slava uh, cursing a Japrilupe in English was great.
1: That was great. I was like, he does know English. He can say "fucking
0: shut the fuck up," and it was <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> he knows the important words, and that's wonderful. <laughs>
1: Um, yeah, so I fi- found that ex- exceedingly charming, but yeah, no, I didn't watch it. I just assumed that everyone looked attractive in um, beautiful, pretty lighting.
0: Yeah, the other thing that stood out to me about the the Kings portion – well, there was a shout out to Martin Jones and him playing well during that game, uh, they highlighted Jeff Carter's game-winning goal. But there was this shot of Dwight King trying to hip-check somebody, and it's basically like Dwight King's butt coming right at the camera. <laughs> And hitting the glass and then skating away. And I was like, that's the best representation of Dwight King you could have had. Right there. That's it. Um, I still have not actually gifted that moment, but I will.
1: <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I really look forward to it. I've been reading everyone's reactions, so I know what to look out for. I think it might be better this way for me.
0: I really love the way that 24-7 is produced. But um, I think it was interesting to see that because both of those teams, particularly the management around them, are so level-headed it seems like that there's no crazy crazy antics going on so it was like just people doing their jobs and being fairly competent at it i mean even when the leaves have struggles or whatever everybody seemed to be trying really hard And it was like oh okay there were there was a quality shot of joffrey lupal getting his thigh massaged that i appreciated um, I am I would pay attention to the important. Very much,
1: I'm very much looking forward to that portion. Then,
0: <laughs> so that happened. There was uh, a thing that I typed to Diane in, in semester Messenger was that I di- I realized that I had no idea what Dion Phaneuf looked like before watching 24 seven.
1: And I then know. I type screamed, "He looks like an ogre. He's so weird looking. It's baffling." He's like weirdly hunched. He has a face like a vague, distant cousin of Anj Kopitar, slash, what is it, the Chocoberry
0: <laughs> Frankenberry? That's who it is, Frankenberry. Oh, no.
1: um, <laughs> and that's basically what Dion Phaneuf looks like.
0: Yeah, it was quite surprising. I'm also here's a subject that I've talked about frequently with Diane, or I mean, because it's always just a shock to me. Phil Kessel's voice. Why does he <laughs> sound like that? <laughs> I do not expect him to sound like that ever. And that every time he speaks, he sounds like he does, and it's confusing. It's genuinely confusing to me. We have a lot of questions about Phil Kessel in general. Yeah. <laughs> this being one of the many things. Yeah, I'm very excited to root for him at Sochi and all, but uh, aside from Sochi, I just spent a lot of time sort of baffled by how he is a really pretty good hockey player and looks super like he shouldn't be.
1: Same with Drew Doughty. Like, I, That's we talked true. about it last time. I was like, oh, Drew Daddy's skating super fast and just, like, forcing everyone to get out of his way. And he's like, I'm making this play now. I'm going to score this goal now. Or I'm going to assist in this goal now.
0: Um, yeah. And I was like, you look like, you know, a Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> yeah, true. But but yeah, it, was, it looked really good, as usual. It'll be interesting. I, I wish, obviously, being a Kings fan, that the Kings narrative had been a little different. Like, they didn't mention the Bernie thing at all. I assume that was partly time, but also the Leafs didn't win, so it wasn't really relevant to talking about the Leafs and the Wings. Oh well, hopefully that means there's plenty to look forward to with uh, NHL revealed. And I was also happy because I realized I never thanked the Kings on Twitter for this. Before the game, I was super, super worried that the Kings would lose to the Maple Leafs and then have that just, you know, in 24-7 forever for people to go back and look at, and I couldn't handle it, but they didn't lose. So thanks, Kings, for pulling out that win. I really appreciate it. Moving on to less beautiful things. <laughs> wow, what a segue. Um, <laughs> it's, Sean it's, it's
1: very apt. <laughs>
0: right, yeah. Sean Thornton was suspended 15 games for knocking out Brooks Orpik. I was a little surprised, actually, about or by the length of that suspension. I would have had it pegged around like eight games but they ruled it a non-hockey play and as soon as that happened it just shot up in games so 15 games it's his first suspension i assume he's going to appeal it that was the rumor but i don't know i think it's fair i mean 15 games is fine like you went up to a dude pulled him down the ice and then knocked him out you shouldn't do that but i was a little surprised by the length
1: um, I thought that it was going to be less just because James Neal's was less, but I'm fine with it being what it is because I thought it was terrible. So, like, that's not that's not needed there. None, none of what happened in that game is needed um, at all. Uh, but, I mean, 15 games is definitely more than I thought it was going to be. Um, but, I mean, sure. That's right. what it is, I
0: guess. Weird comment from uh, Cam Jansen on the New Jersey Devils. So he says, Cam Jansen says that Brooks Orpik should have stood up for himself and just, like, fought. And then everything would have calmed down and it would have been fine. I felt like that was such a douchey thing to say and also ridiculous because I understand that fighting is a part of hockey. I don't mind it, whatever. But I think it's weird. And I felt like this about the Ray Emery thing, too, with Holtby. Like, dudes shouldn't be obligated to fight. Why should they just assume that they have to?
1: And if okay. he says, like, all he had to do was grab and hold on, oh, so just let himself be pummeled? And the thing was, like, immediately once Thornton grabbed him, they fell to the ice, and what more could he do? Right. If he's yeah. grabbing and holding on, he's laying on the ice and grabbing and holding on getting pummeled. That's exactly uh. what happened. Sean Thornton punched his, fa- his head into the ice. Also, Cam Jansen uh, was a homophobic uh, dickbag earlier, so uh, yes. I already don't like him. <laughs>
0: Cam Jansen, literal idiot and horrible person. So, all right. Just to note that he's wrong.
1: We are not a fan of him on this
0: podcast. Um, Another thing, I mean, not an an injury or suspension that happened, but related to both of those concepts was the Zach Cashin thing. Taunt Sam Gagne. He wasn't even involved with Sam Gagne. I don't know. There was like a little bit of a scuffle or whatever. As he's being pushed away by, I think, one of the refs, maybe he looks at Sam Gagne and is like, oh, what is this? What is this? Like pointing to his jaw, indicating Sam Gagne's jaw protection. He's the dude who hit Sam Gagne in the face with a stick and broke his jaw and got suspended for it and now is taunting him about it. That doesn't make any sense. Also another douchebag. That's terrible.
1: Yeah, I feel like he also was like trying to show remorse when they were, you know, going through the whole suspension thing. And I'm like, this is not remorse. This is... Evidence of you being a garbage human
0: being. So gross. Way to be an asshole. I was just kind of surprised by by the audacity. Like obviously he wasn't a you know, thinking that I would end up on television, but the fact that he would do it at all just I was like, all right guy, what a winner. Steven Samkos is skating again. Uh I was surprised when he was walking around so soon. I'm surprised that he's skating again. He's probably gonna play in the Olympics, I assume. But what the hell? Um,
1: it just shows me that I don't understand how bodies work.
0: Yeah. Clearly, I know nothing about humans, because I didn't think this was possible, but it's happening.
1: Either that, or he visited Madame Pomfrey and got some Skelligro, and that is how he (laughs) is back. Um, Other than that, I don't understand how bodies work.
0: (laughs) Sweet uh, Harry Potter reference. (laughs) Thank you.
1: If I will make... Gosh, I'm surprised that I haven't already made one, so... (laughs) expect more. Now that I remember, like, oh, I can do this. I can talk. This is our podcast. I can talk about whatever I want. Uh, There are going to be a million Harry Potter references, so get ready. I wish we had a time turner so that we didn't have to live through the game that we just watched tonight. There's number two.
0: Just nailing it. Um, All right, the NHL is testing out Selling more stuff to women. I feel like it's an attempt to acknowledge the female fan base in hockey and reach out to them. But they're doing it by selling them merchandise. And it's called, because they're starting it in Pittsburgh, and if it's successful in Pittsburgh, it will happen in other markets uh, around the NHL. It's called Pens Gear for Her to start. They have like bracelets and bows and things or whatever. Who cares? I thought it was awful.
1: Especially because the
0: quote from, you know, one of their business people who sort of helping oversee it was like, Oh, yeah, we have some fans who are teenage girls. And they really they would love to date Cindy Crosby. But we also have moms who just think the pens are role models for their families. Um, Are those your only female fans? A. B. So the way that you reach out to them is sell them shit. Okay, that's super creative. I'm glad that you spent so much time coming up with that idea.
1: Yeah, it's pretty terrible. And I'm glad that this is coming on the uh, the tail end of that really great... I don't know if we've ever talked about it. Um, the really great discussion about feminism and females in hockey, or at least in hockey media, that was posted on Puck Daddy, and had some fantastic voices um, speak up about that, and in terms of like pandering, I don't know, bedazzled Uggs. Ugh, I was just talking about this with someone. But but pink bedazzled Uggs, with a uh, Kings logo on it.
0: Cool. Roll into Ugh. it. I and I mean I have like obviously I have no problem with selling things to fans. It's just sort of like targeting women. We want to reach out to our female fan base. Let's do it in the laziest way possible. Women like to buy stuff, right? All right. Well, let's sell them some stuff for girls.
1: And by girls, we mean that it's pink. It's right. like frilly. And I'm not, like, knocking that. I don't have a problem with people being, like, girly and also a hockey fan. Like, that's fine. But since that is the only and all-encompassing way that they feel like they can reach out to female hockey fans, yeah, that's That's
0: stupid. Yeah. Yeah, that's my objection. Like, I have no problem with girly stuff or whatever. Some people, you know, that's what they want. I, I just feel like it's really limiting. And so then it made me think, like, all right, well, what are some things that I would want the NHL or, you know, even specific uh, franchises or whatever to do to reach out to someone like me. I was talking earlier with some other friends about how, like, I've never played hockey. I would love to learn how to play hockey as an adult. There are always, like, plenty of introductory classes or whatever for kids and whatnot. For an adult, they don't really have the same sort of, like, come try it out, see if you like it sort of things. I feel like that would be a great way to get women involved, try to play this game It would be great to sort of get involved in that aspect of it. I don't need to buy stuff unless it's like, you know, buy some lessons. And there are a few, but I feel like they could do a lot more events like that. Teach fans more about the game or how things are run or whatever. Because I feel like the whole sports in general, any part of it, whether it's in-game entertainment, the game itself, um, people who do broadcasting or whatever, it has all of these facets that are so interesting and detailed and people would love probably to know how those things come together. And those are the things I think you could use to really appeal to people in ways that are meaningful and not just, you know, like buy this thing.
1: Or just like the fact that it's just like, Oh, there are men, fan men, fan, there are men fans and there are women fans. And instead of just like people fans, like what you're saying is like, these are, these are ideas and concepts and, uh, interviews, videos, experiences that appeal to people regardless of whether they're a male or they're female or they're white or they're black or they're Asian or whatever. Um young, old, whoever. Like we don't need to categorize like are you a Kings fan? Are you interested in what's going on? Like here is something that you might like. Um I it's I feel it's just like it's very lazy.
0: Yeah, and I think and if you are I mean obviously I, I recognize that marketing, these kind of things are part of, you know, marketing push and whatnot and that's something that's just a part of advertising in general, and I get that, but I feel like if you are going to target specific groups to try to bring, you know, engage those people more, do it in a way that feels inclusive and related to the game itself and the experience that they really love, rather than just sort of like these add-on things that take no thought. So, try harder, NHL. (laughs) Try harder.
1: Yeah, I have like a whole problem, uh, not a problem, well, I guess sort of a problem, like an issue, with just in terms of people starting playing hockey and how it's just inherent... There was a really great article, and I think the Globe and the Mail, about it, about how it's just, like, essentially... It's very classist. You know, you have to be privileged in order to do it. Um, It was the same... Like, I grew up and I was a figure skater, and I will, like, readily admit that I grew up, you know, pretty middle class, pretty upper middle class. So I had access and the ability to do all these things. But um, a lot of people don't. Like, you can't just get a basketball and, you know, shoot, um, on a court that's like in a park. You can't just grab a soccer ball and like scoot around. Um, I mean, I guess you can play road hockey, but it's not necessarily the same, but if you want to play the real thing, it costs money. And so that's like a whole other sort of appealing to fans and appealing to new people issue that I have about, uh, about hockey in general.
0: Yeah, I think that's especially relevant in a place like Southern California, where it's like you know, in the winters there aren't just like ponds that you can go to necessarily. Exactly, like you, you can't just
1: freeze your backyard and be like, oh, let's get some used skates and like make this happen. No, you have to drive to a rink, whether there is one in your immediate area or not. Right. Yeah. And then, like, because my closest ice rink to me right now is like an hour away. It's like an hour and a half. Eh, it's like an hour away. But then you no. have to pay for ice time, and you have to pay for uh, for like the gear. And it's a team sport, so you have to find people to play with you. I mean, I guess you could stick handle and practice and do all, like, practice skating, which is probably the most important thing, but still. It's, like, a very costly type of thing, and that's a big hurdle to get over in order to start it.
0: Oh, for sure. For sure. I think the how inaccessible hockey is in comparison to some of the other sports, major sports in particular in North America, it does seem exclusive rather than inclusive. And I think that should be sort of where the focus of their advertising and whatnot is if they really do want to grow the fan fan base and make it more appealing to uh, women or minorities or whatever. Focus on that kind of stuff. Why should people pay attention to this sport? Um, here's how they can get involved if they want to and make it, you know, help bring it to other people. But I don't know, whatever. I think it's just easier to just be like, here's something else we can sell you. So, and I think that's lame, and they should try a lot harder. Um, our last bit of news Calgary Flames GM, Jay Feaster, donezo to bring it back to Laguna Beach. And John Weissbrod, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right, whatever, I'm going with Ricebrod. We don't care and about it anymore because he's fired. <laughs> yeah, gone. Brian Burke has said that he is not planning on being the GM of the Calgary Flames, he doesn't want to. And so there will eventually be somebody else brought in. He did a press conference, and surprisingly, the star of the press conference was his hair.
1: No one, I mean, no one was really surprised about Jay Feaster getting the boot. Like, it was kind of a a matter of time sort of deal, and this was the time. But everyone was talking about (laughs) Brian Burke's Luscious Locks. So Um, surprised. The word truculence, I'm sure, was trending um, among at least the people that I follow, uh, the Burke children got in on it as well, and it was fantastic. So strong work, bloggers, for focusing absolutely zero um, <laughs> on Jake Fister and what's going on with the Flames organization, and focusing instead on the state of Brian Burke's hair.
0: Interesting news. Like we knew eventually that like there was going to be changes there. I thought it was also funny everybody who mentioned Brian Burke's sort of policy of not firing people around Christmas time, and they were like, oh, I guess that does not apply to management. (laughs) So, bye, J.B. Stern.
1: Once again, it is news that has happened in the NHL, but it has happened to the Flames, and therefore, I don't really care, nor have I really uh, thought about it at
0: all, since it has happened. I wonder if the Kings will have a better chance of beating the Flames now (laughs) that they've had things shaken up. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not.
1: They seem to be a problem team.
0: How... Wretched is it that the Kings' problem teams so far this season are the Calgary Flames and probably... I mean, they've only played one game against the Blackhawks, but I'm sure that uh, December 30th game will be difficult as well. So the two problem teams are the Calgary Flames and the Chicago Blackhawks.
1: I'm fine with the Chicago Blackhawks. They're a decent team. Like, you win some, you lose some. And I, fingers crossed, hope that the Kings win against the the Blackhawks eventually at least one game this year. Um, But there is always one team that for whatever reason, I mean, and this isn't, uh, exclusive to the Kings either. It's exclusive. It's for all teams. There's just one team that they are, you are just objectively better in like every respect. You've got a better record. You're better at everything. And for whatever reason, cannot solve that team for the life of you. Um, to everyone's extreme frustration. Like, it's reasonable for us to go into this Blackhawks game that just happened and be like, you know, the Kings are going to try. I don't think that they're going to win. That's fine. They're a good team. Um, they are outranking us in a lot of stats, you know, it's, and just watching the Blackhawks play. Uh, you know, it, it was kind of expected. That's fine. But to go into a Calgary Flames game and being like, they're probably going to lose... Like, the Kings are probably going to lose this. Why? No reason that I can put my finger on, in particular, they're just going to lose it.
0: That's awful. Like, you should be able, if you're like, man, I really would like to go to an LA Kings game. I can't go to a lot of them. I got to pick wisely. I'm hoping that they win. You should be able to go to a Flames game and know that you have picked a great night. Not this season. Not this season. That was the wrong night to go.
1: I'm really glad that we didn't go. No. No, I'm really like, glad
0: that we weren't there for that because it would have just been me crying. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I spent this money to watch this disappointment twice. Okay, so I do want to end on a happier note though. So I just realized that I have a question that we haven't haven't done in a in a few podcasts, probably not since the beginning of the season. But is there any Kings player, despite this game against the Blackhawks, is there any Kings player right now that has you really excited for what is coming next? Or
1: not for, not for a reason. <laughs> not for a, a, like a reasonable thing since we're talking about unreasonable things that happens that happened with the kings. I'm excited for Trevor Lewis. I have my full heart and soul behind Trevor Lewis doing something the the halfway mark is at the end of the year. Um it's this the stars game on the 31st. If he hasn't scored a goal by then, I don't know what I'm going to do. I am so invested in this right now. It is unbelievable.
0: (laughs) Just vibing for Trevor Lewis constantly.
1: If Colton Orr scores a goal, things are going to happen.
0: Oh, that would be so sad. I guess we have to sort of, like, keep tabs on that now. Has Colton Orr scored yet? Or gotten a point? Because even if he just gets a point, that's Mm -hmm. still... That still leaves Lewis all by himself. Well,
1: at this point, like, even if Trevor Lewis scores a point, I'll be extremely excited. But unless it's a goal, I, it's not. No, it doesn't count.
0: Yeah. Oh, it needs to be a goal. And I think, to be clear, I mentioned that we have a celebration prepared for when Trevor Lewis scores. And it's for the goal. Like, I think we'll be excited when the point happens. But it's for the goal that we will celebrate. Yeah.
1: Anything less... Oh, but w- see, it, we joke about this every t- like all the time. Mostly me joking about this because I legitimately want it to happen. Is that maybe this is the game where Trevor Lewis will score a hat trick?
0: I think that just would be amazing. Just randomly in a game, he oh no points at all here three goals in one game. What he if because Trevor Lewis?
1: What if <laughs> it is my greatest dream? Beyond that, no. <laughs> I have yeah. all of my energy is going into this right now.
0: Uh, I guess I'm excited about Martin Jones. I want him to play more before Jonathan Quick comes back, and he inevitably gets sent back down to the AHL because he's been—I know he, you know—he's wanted to play with the Kings for so long, and he's finally got a shot, and he's performing really well. And I just hope that continues for him, so that you know he can just sort of go back to Manchester and just ride this wave of having had a great debut uh, with the big club. So probably I'm most excited for him. Is there anybody else that I'm really excited about right now? I realized I do have
1: someone that I'm actually legitimately excited about. Oh, who? And his name is Dwight King.
0: Oh, yeah. Good point.
1: I am really excited for him. Um, I'm excited that before it was a joke, the fact that he was on the top line uh, back when Mm -hmm. it was, you know, Dustin Brown and all them. But with what's going on right now, the way that he's playing, the fact that like a quarter of the way into the season, he bested his season high goal scores. And the fact that it's not only goals that he's scoring, it's plays that he's making. Um, in yesterday's Senators game, um, the two goals in the... I mean, I know that Jeff Carter's goal was marked as unassisted, which is strange to me. But, um, like, Jeff Carter's goal, uh, it was, I believe it was Dwight King who battled against the boards, won it, shoveled it over to Jeff Carter, and Jeff Carter netted it in. And then with the Andre Kopitar goal it was, or at least the the last one, um, it was a nice Dwight King pass that got him, that got Kopitar that goal. So it's not only him scoring goals, but it's him, you know, having good passes, going along boards, screening, all, all the little thing stuff. And so I've been very impressed by Dwight King's play. Um, as much as I like to joke about him because he's still ridiculous, but I'm very excited to see, like, I hope he has a fantastic season, obviously, because if he has a fantastic season that obviously means well for the Kings but I'm just, like, very excited to see how he is doing and progressing and succeeding
0: I would agree with that I think you made a lot of good points about Dwight King. He's having a pretty good season so far and is working really hard and now when when I see him on either line it's like it's not like, why is this happening to me <laughs> anymore? I'm actually, you know, uh, interested to see what he'll do. And he's um, he's been making some pretty good decisions decision so far this season. So keep it up, Dwight King. I was also, until tonight, when he um, got the hot mess started, really excited about Jake Muzzin turning around his game. Um, hopefully he bounces back from being just thoroughly, thoroughly wrecked by the Blackhawks. And... Uh, yeah I just I don't know. I like seeing the guys who were who were new a couple seasons ago having a little more experience and starting to really settle in and becoming smarter players and I hope that continues so uh let's make it a good uh rest of the month, Kings one loss in December so far, to a legitimate team and uh hopefully the only loss. How about that? Let's go for it.
1: yeah, dream big.
0: all right, I think that is all we have for this week. We will catch you guys next week. Hopefully we have great news to report and we don't end on a downer note because that sucks. If you don't follow us on Twitter, you should follow us at ThanksBud or individually. I am Chanel Berlin. And I'm
1: at AKA Diane Fan.
0: As usual, if you're not listening on iTunes, listen on iTunes. It makes life so much simpler for you. Talk to us. We like talking to people. We like jokes. <laughs> we like gifs. We like pictures. Whatever. Catch you guys next week. Take care of yourselves. Bye, friends.